ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good, here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 67, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. It's been an awesome few weeks lately, chatting with Jack the Radio, Away Blue World, and Ashton Knight. And tonight, we aren't letting off the gas. We're welcoming a powerful singer, great guitarist, brilliant songwriters to the show, and helping me welcome them are JPP, T-Bags, and Joe Rife. Good evening, boys. Good, good evening. evening. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Who's ready for a good conversation tonight? Always. I don't get out much, so I'll, I'll talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want to talk to you. <laughs> hey, it's been fun, y'all. Good night. <laughs> well, who are we talking to tonight? We are talking to the band Holy Wars. With us today is Kat and Nick. Uh, they have a wealth of, of releases under their belt. Um, Kat has some solo releases as well. I'm looking forward to chat with her on that. I wanted to point out that we discovered their works thanks to friend of the show, Michael Cirovolo of Beauty and Chaos. And had it not been for him, we would not have been on this enjoyable rabbit hole uh, of music and discovery of, of what they've got out there, not only with music, but with visuals as well. So please welcome Kat and Nick from Holy Wars. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey. Greetings. Greetings. So how is it out there in sunny California? Uh, sunny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a hot one today. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's hot. Hot COVID. <laughs> yeah, I, I know things are kind of dead, obviously, with COVID right now. Not lots going on. But what's the music scene like in L.A.? Typically. Uh, Pre-COVID or? Pre-COVID. 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 Uh, pretty fun, actually. I'm really grateful for the scene we have out here. Um, we we started playing live in Holy Wars and just, like, built this community. Or we there was a community that we kind of, like, we were welcomed into. And a lot of really great bands out here, really diverse. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really good. I mean, everybody moves here, I feel, to be in the music scene. So you kind of get, like, this really cool mixture of people. Yeah, I think um, before uh, the quarantine and all of this COVID stuff happened, I think the music scene was in a pretty cool place, and uh, there was a lot of cool bands, and and we could always play a show here and and yeah. have a have a great night with like a lot of people that were excited to be there and great bands and supportive fans and um, yeah um, yeah so it it was it was awesome it was good. <laughs> yeah it's now like, yeah. now I don't know now it's like happen. tumbleweeds and- yeah. It's totally. like the Wild Wild West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Certainly. And, you know, being creative, it's a matter of uh, getting and staying creative in order to keep the momentum going in some fashion, you know, getting the attention of fans, let them know what's going on. Or, you know, do we have new releases under the, under our radar that we could, you know, get out there, that kind of thing? Or how can we at least engage them virtually and still let them know that we're thinking of them and that sort of thing. I, I'm a musician too, so I, I tend to try to post a little content here and there. Not that I have any big releases or anything like that out, but at least I'm still trying to stay creative for me as a coping mechanism for one and two, give somebody a little something to distract from, you know, what they see day to day on social media. Oh, I fully relate to that. Yeah, I'm constantly, because now we're starting to release, but it obviously like everybody else, we took a long time to release our first, our first single this year. Um, and I'm constantly torn with like, is now the right time? Um, is it right for me? Is it right for the receiver? But also like the other part of me feels like people want to be distracted. I mean, how many times do we talk about COVID every single day? And it's just like, 
art needs to keep moving on. I mean, you know, Bob Dylan and like artists of the past, like they, they wrote during these type of like life changing times. So why would we stop? You know? So that, mm-hmm. that's what, that's what made us want to re- start releasing our music and writing more music for people. Awesome. Very cool. Hey, well, if I can kind of switch gears and, and start this from a different angle uh, for everyone that's listening, you know, we, we discovered you through Michael. So for those of us, uh, for those that listen to our show and may not know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about your story of getting started and, and you know, what brought you uh, to become Holy Wars and where you're at today? Uh, sure. I'll try to, I'll try to make it short. I tend to, to babble on a lot. No worries. Um, no, give, give them the, the long version. Yeah. The long Scenic route. Um, well, Holy Wars uh, became a thing after a personal, you know, uh, you, you don't have to dig too far to find out that my parents passed away in 2015. Mm-hmm. And we were in a band previous to that. And we were kind of on a really cool trajectory with that. And we were touring, and you know, when all this happened. So you can imagine, like, life called and everything stopped. Um, and it took about, took about two years for me to even want to think about music again. I was just kind of emotionally creatively everything tapped out and him too because we're very you know we're very close so um we he wasn't really doing much either and and he was kind of at the forefront of like wanting to get back into writing music but also being very patient with me and not wanting to push me too hard and I obviously had a lot of emotions during that time that I didn't know how to place it and what to do you know with my time because all I did 24 7 before my parents passed was music so to just stop what I did most of all and loved most of all was very weird so naturally I would find my way back to it and with the help of Nick um and we started writing music and it was kind of a rough start because I think like anything when you stop doing something for a while and you try to get back on that bicycle you're like oh this feels weird and maybe and then I started to think like maybe I don't know how maybe I have nothing to say anymore like I I don't really know what's because nothing was important anymore you know like everything I would write about before it was all like, not to like say that our music before isn't something I'm proud of, but it was like a different time where I was a different person and life was a different thing to me. So I started to write some more emotional and honest thoughts, you know, not just about making a cool song, but really about what I was personally going through at the time. And this body of work became something that we wanted to start playing live and, and just getting back to feeling like ourselves again in some way as, as artists. And we, he made me name it because he's like, once he heard the music, like the lyrics, and he did all the music for it. Um, it needed a, it needed something that I had to name because it was so personal to me. So I named it Holy Wars um, because of the what. That's what I felt at the time, you know. And a lot of people think that we're like a Megadeth like band, band or something. Which, you know, kudos. Yeah. we love them. <laughs> Actually, uh, David Ellison reaches out to us on Instagram. Oh, yeah. That's our, our big name drop. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's like, <laughs> I think he thought we were like a cover band and we're not. Uh, yeah. But he's very nice. Yeah. So yeah. we chat with him every now and then. He just yeah. messaged me yesterday because yeah. we just uh, did an, an Instagram filter for our song. And he just messaged me on Instagram. I was like, you guys are cool. And I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, but yeah, so we call it Holy Wars um, because that was more of an emotional name for it because I just felt like everything felt like a holy war, like live or die, believe in the afterlife, don't. Like it was all just a lot of things. So we played our first show at the Echoplex and we weren't even like an actual band then. We were just kind of like teasing it for ourselves because at any moment I was ready to pull the plug because I felt very like everything didn't 
anymore. didn't matter yeah, anymore. So, but the reaction of that first night was incredible. I never, I felt like a different person. Like I felt like I was, it sounds cheesy, but I felt like I was like reborn in some sense on that stage and we've never looked back. And here we are talking to you guys. That's incredible. And guys, I promise I'll let you talk. I just want to say one thing before I, <laughs> we move forward. So, <clears throat> excuse me, part of the process, you know, we listen to music, we review it and that sort of thing. So I was doing my homework and wanting to listen to more music um, of, of Holy Wars and a couple of nights ago, I came across the video from Mother Father. And mm. forgive me, because I'm actually starting to get kind of built up here now. But I sobbed. And I lost my dad 10 years ago. And I wrote a song for him that was too painful to continue. So I wrote an album about this gift he gave me as a kid. As cheesy as it may sound, it was a Commodore 64 computer. My mom and I used it. She used it for business. I played games. It had synth sounds on it. That's what turned me on to music in the first place. So it basically, that was my way of telling him, thank you for giving me the gift of music. Because had he not done that, I probably would have done a different path, you know? Yeah. And music, I mean, music hits me. I get goosebumps, things like that, but I've never had songs make me weep. And that resonated completely. I gave my wife the link. I said, you need to watch this. A minute and a half in, she's she was melted as well. So what I'm saying is that this personal experience you're talking about resonates with me as, as somebody who listens to and enjoys music. And yeah. I felt that, that journey with you. So that painfully honest set of words that you put together on that EP, they, that mean like you basically opened your skin and let us in. So very well done. And, you know, I, that's going to be something I listen to, you know, throughout time. It's going to be on repeat. Yeah. Thank, I really appreciate you saying that because that album actually means so much to us. Like we we love the music we're writing now, of course, and things change and we can't keep writing Mother Father because, you know, I don't want to mm -hmm. I also don't want to avoid that. You know, like that that's a very personal thing to me. And I feel like I said it. And, mm -hmm. you know, what I do next is what happens. But Mother Father is my favorite music video because that was actually one take. And it was the most like just no, no frills, stripped down. Like, mm -hmm. and, and we always mm -hmm. feel like we're like, I wish more people saw that. Not because I'm like, Oh, look at my pain, but more because I feel like it can <laughs> connect with people, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Feel like, yeah. you know, not everyone's ready to deal with that type of emotion. And, and, you know, we all, we all find it in time because we all have to lose the ones we love at some point. But I really appreciate mm -hmm. that you actually, you, you're telling me this cause that's that, that song especially is the most personal to me. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's actually you the, the second video we did for that. So nobody knows that we shot an entire other music video for that. Earlier. And then, that's yeah. Right, that day. And then we saw it uh, um, and uh, and it just wasn't right. And then we were like, you know what it needs to be? It just needs to be just you just emoting what the song is about. Yeah. And so like we threw away like a whole other big production and we're like, let's get a camera a light and we'll set it up in our in our rehearsal room and you just sing the song and then that's that's what what happened it was it's really it's incredible yeah i forgot yeah. Oh, we yeah. had a whole other music video for that same song yeah i forgot all about it yeah, <laughs> yeah. and well, also sorry i know um i'm probably we're probably need to move on but um yeah, fine. i can't watch that music video um for i think i i watched it when it was out and i can't go back and watch it ever i mean maybe again i can't but also because the voicemails that's not in the uh, in the track it's mm -hmm. in the music video and those are the last voicemails my parents left me and I just kind of peppered him into the video. Yeah. 
So yeah. I haven't listened to it or watched it, but I hope I hope one day I can again. Yeah, understand. Yeah. yeah, I totally understand that, and very sorry for loss. I know it's been some time ago, and um, if there's if there's anything I can say that you know, I know your parents are are looking down, proud, and what this evolves into going forward. That was your step to to progress forward. It doesn't have to, like you said, it doesn't have to stay in that moment, and so. Um, yeah keep going, you know, please, uh, you know, from somebody who has felt in similar paths as well as just, uh, you know, as a fan, I, I really, really have come to appreciate that 100%. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you so uh, much. Really. I want no to say a couple of things about the video real quick too, because I, I'm lucky. I saw both my parents and, um, but I was affected probably just as much. I sat in the dark with headphones on and, you know, really, and I teared up too. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> I teared up in the first 30 seconds, I think, but, um, but visually speaking, I think one, the idea that like, it was like you were right in our faces with what you were feeling. And I think when you're in pain, you know, you, there's just no way to run away from it. It's just right there in front of you. Yeah. And then um, seeing some of the like old footage and things like that. I think we all have that. It's like, you know, technology increases and, we have all these beautiful pictures now, but you look at something that's like faded and the color is not as saturated and everything, but it's still the best time. So it doesn't have to be the best, best technology. We all know where that sat on our timeline. And so visually speaking, I don't think it could have accompanied the lyrics and the feeling any better. It's beautiful. Thank you. That's you're right. Cause it's yeah. nostalgia, right? Like we all, I yeah. get nostalgic all the time to like a year ago. I'm like, remember when we did this? Like I, everything's nostalgic for me, but right. <laughs> Yeah, um, those those home videos are my parents. Believe it or not, like um, my my mom's graduation day, and there's like a quick clip of my mom and my dad. So it was really cool that I was able to like really put them in. Like, I guess I just wanted to give them a moment in time. You know, mm -hmm. like they live on forever in this in this way. So. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you awesome. guys. Wow, I love it because you know yeah. when we first started this band and we first got like signed to this big management company and everything and. They thought we were too personal. They thought we were, we, we, we've been told by many people that we're not as relatable because, you know, I was talking too much about like something that only a, a, a certain amount of people can relate to. And, you know, we've, we kind of did it our own way. So we'll find out if that was a good or bad decision. Yeah, well, I, I think it's really cool though, because like when we, when we first came out with that record, the whole record was sort of like a, uh, like a, a record about you kind of learning to cope you know, and, and this was kind of the soundtrack to that time. And I think like as as a few years have gone by from that first EP, like we we hear more and more about people that that go back to that EP and like have their own like personal connection with it. Um, so I, yeah. I, I I think that that will continue to happen and like we'll, we'll learn more and more about like uh, that time period and, and understand it better. And like the stuff that came out with it is going to mean a lot of different things to different people but i know it's very special i know we definitely captured a moment in time with that you know for sure time, yeah. yeah absolutely i'm so glad that you didn't follow their advice because you didn't relate to enough people i mean that's the reason we love people is they do their own thing and they walk their own path and we can relate i don't want to follow somebody who's doing something that they don't necessarily care about because somebody tells them it's better for them you know absolutely yeah and also, you're um, never going to please everybody, right? Like, we're, we're learning, like, yeah. we're either too commercial in one way or we're not commercial enough in another. And finally, we, we finally are just, like, after going through it all, both ends, we're like, we're just going to do what we like 
And if you like it, cool. And if you don't, awesome. there's a lot more people out there making music for you, you know? So Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how does the, the process work? So um, Kat, you've got this deeply personal, emotional song, right? And you want to get this out. How does that work with Nick writing the music or putting the guitar to that? How do you guys connect um, in a situation mm. like that? It's all over the place. I think we're finally finding a groove after working together for so many years. But remember, I used to have those ditties that I used to try and make into songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's talking about like voice memos. Like uh, that's typically the way she writes, you know. Yeah. But like in in general, uh, to to put it simply, like she does the lyrics and the melodies, and then I will do all the music, and she'll chime in on the music and say she likes this or she doesn't like this. Um, and then I will um, pretty much never chime in on the lyrics because I'll only mess it up. But I might chime <laughs> in and say like, hey, that note should be this, you know? And she'll yeah. say, okay, cool. Um, but Mother Father, for instance, like that song was just me playing on the piano and then her kind of singing along. And, and we knew instantly like, okay, this has to be really simple. Um, and I'm not like the best piano player, so like it'll be two chords uh, in the verse, and then um, when we get to the chorus, it just she started singing it, and it's like, oh, this is yeah, this is right. Okay, cool. We're not gonna mess this up. Like this is exactly yeah. the way it's coming out. And so like even the end, the very end of the song, which is one of my favorite things we've ever done, this whole section where um, she's saying there's a there's a holy war in me. That was all just improvised, and we were recording that. And then, like, I started playing the chords, and and she was singing. There's a holy war in me, and I said, "Keep going. That's that's awesome. Keep doing that." And I was changing the chords underneath that. And then, like, I was I recorded it all, and then we were done. And she was crying, and, and I'm like, hey, "That was right. What we just did, that was it." Yeah, it was totally uh, improv, and you did it on the four track, right? And then later on, I re-recorded the song into this little four track uh, tape recorder. And then I was kind of messing with the pitch of it, which gives it this kind of like really um, very unsettling thing that turns this really beautiful thing into something completely different. And uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite things we've ever done with, from every angle, the lyrics or it's just perfect, you know? Yeah. yeah. But usually we write like, sometimes they'll come to me with like a, a song first, like a, just an instrumental. And now I'm, I'm better at it because we're so used to writing with, like I'll write with other producers now where like they'll just send me an instrumental and I have to write over it. Mm -hmm. But before that was terrible for me. Like I just, my brain couldn't do it. And he would like start really beautiful songs and I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. But I got this ditty. Let's start from there. So like yeah. it's taken a while mm -hmm. for us to finally find our group. But it's always been a different first song, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That first record though was pretty much was done like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's your approach these days? Is it similar? Um, let's see. Well, what did we last write? Well, I hate myself came together pretty quickly, actually. That one we knew like instantly. I think I wrote the chorus, like we were writing the song because you had that dude, the the melody from four years ago or six years ago. Yeah, yeah. That one I remember pretty much. We wrote on the acoustic guitar, and then I think I remember you saying. I I hate myself and then we looked at each other and we're kind of like can we say that can we have a song called that yeah, yeah. and then i think we were like oh we we totally should that's so um like unapologetic and like like having a song called i hate myself just really is so um aggressive 
and um, yeah. like impossible to ignore. Mm-hmm. And true, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't every now and then. And I know I right. do and daily so, sometimes. Right. So in that one, then we thought, okay, it's called "I Hate Myself." So wouldn't it be? It would be kind of a bummer if the whole thing was really sad and like really dark sounding. Wouldn't it be even more impactful if the chorus was like a pop song? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, okay, let's do that. And then um, that's kind of what it was. And then so like when it came time to do sort of like the marketing side of it, we thought, well, the song is called I Hate Myself. We need to keep kind of running with this thing where it's not what you think it is but it kind of is at the same time. Yeah, know? it's like that juxtaposition of happy and sad. <laughs> yeah, I like how- Can we talk? Like, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I like how it's a compound word, like it's a branded message versus, you know, being a, a phrase. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I mean? So I, I can kind of see like, let's just tie a little bow on it and, you know, mass produce that kind of thing. That's, you know- Exactly. So that's awesome. Go ahead, Foggy, my bad. No, I was just gonna ask if we could talk about that promo now. Um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch it, but it's on their uh, holywarsmusic.com. Mm-hmm. And it's also on Instagram. Uh, it, so funny with the girl sitting there and she's the yellows for friendship, pinks for passion. You know, she takes a bite. But the funniest part is that there's a rotary dial phone on the couch. And then she just looks down and this is a phone. Call me. <laughs> Such a clever uh, little. And, you know, and they hate themselves being on the other end of like a sex call line or whatever <laughs> very yeah, clever yeah. yeah that one actually is so funny like we did a first one which was like an infomercial and then the sex ad was like a follow-up and that was his idea and usually i take full pride in like being like in charge of all of the videos because i come from like a filmmaking background so i'm like <clears> but he came to me and he's like why don't you do something like an infomercial and i was just like i love it and we brought in my friend aaron who's been a part of our last few videos and like really quick too, it was like what it was the first take. I think we did like three takes of it. Yeah. Um, this was the infomercial one where like I don't know if you guys saw that one, but like I was like getting, it was just kind of like a '90s infomercial where I was like, "Do you ever feel?" And it was like a part of the lyrics where it's like, "Is like mm-hmm. anybody having any fun anymore? Is it all just pretend?" So it's like the saddest words, but it's like said in this like <laughs> salesman voice. And then it did. It got such a great reaction, and people were sharing it even more than like our videos were being shared. That we um, we were like, well, we got to follow up with that. And I remember, and it was your idea again. You're like, let's do another one. And I was like, oh man, I can't think of anything else. And I looked at that phone, <laughs> that, <laughs> that old phone, and I was like, what about if it's a sex ad? And like, we just leaned right into that, and it was fun. It's uh, the funny thing is, is like with social media. Most people, I think, understand what you're trying to do. But then there's a couple people that think it's real. And we've got a couple people that were like, like, I tried to call that number. What is this? <laughs> Why are you calling this number? What about this makes you think this is real? Right. We don't know what happened if you actually called the number. We yeah. don't know where, where <laughs> purposely didn't have yeah. a full number, too, because it was like 1-800-666. 666 like we left off the four and six because it's like undeniable it's not a real number but people were still trying to call it <laughs> it's crazy that's, that's hilarious weird. i did i did see the infomercial promo and i liked like the vhs flare and the glitches and that kind of thing it was a very nice touch I was oh, yeah. say, if they dial that number and it's one digit off it might be something international all of a sudden they get a five thousand dollar bill right then we're getting sued so I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, mother father was not relatable or, you know, your music at that point was not relatable to the, the people, the powers that be, 
And mm-hmm. so you come back with, I hate myself. Have they said anything along the lines of, <laughs> you know, well, that's not relatable because I just wonder if they changed their tune at all. I know. Well, very relatable. <laughs> it's on, on the radio, so it's relating to somebody. But, I well, we don't work with them, but um, the people that have said that. But I'm sure there's more, too, out there that we just don't know. Sure. Some yeah. labels or something. But, yeah, I do feel I hate myself relatable. You know, I will say this song is relatable. We played this song for about a year before we ever released it. So a year ago, we started playing this. Because mm-hmm. um, we try to do that. We Like most bands, I'm sure, the, we test it out with the audience. And that was the only song that, no, like, at the end of every show, fans were like, when is that I Hate Myself song coming out? And they would, like, message us and DM us. Even when we would tease other releases, they'd be like, is it, like, we'd get comments, is it I Hate Myself? So this has been like a long anticipated song from the fans and almost too much pressure because I felt <laughs> like, oh, God, I hope they're happy with this because, you know, what you, what you hear live and, what you, you know, it's like a different experience than what you're going to get with a recording. But um, everybody seems to be receiving it well, which is good. But, yeah, this one has been probably our most relatable song lately. Yeah, it's very accessible. I mean, we talked about the, the, the pop sound of it, which I think too many bands are trying to write songs like that with a really aggressive front like you'd mentioned before. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't think people, we've heard it all before, you know, so it, there's the push pull. And that's kind of like what, what hating yourself is all about is that one minute that you're, you're up and the next minute you're down. And so I think you've captured it well. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you don't work with the folks who would discourage you from writing a song like this or <laughs> make you second guess it. So I'm not sure if you, I, you've probably heard this, but um, some music industry people, um, aren't altogether honest, I've heard. And uh, sometimes they don't always have your best interest at heart. So, yeah, and we heard you know, so many horror stories too about like our friends or friends of friends who've been like signed for one sound because they are that good, but then they want them to go in a totally different direction. And then that doesn't resonate with their previous fans. And then the, it's not selling well. So then the label drops them and then they've lost like four years. So it's, it's really just like Kiwi says too, like, some of our favorite bands just have been the, the same as they've been. And when the music scene like comes back to wanting that sound again, they're there and they're bigger than ever. So it's just about staying true to yourself. And I, I tend to get a little bit more distracted by other things because I like a lot of different kinds of music. But yeah, I think we're, we're, we're definitely settled into what we want in our band. And if we decide to change up the sound, it's because we made that decision, you know, versus right. being old. So. Mm-hmm. We have that debate around here all the time on the podcast where we have bands that we've listened to for years and they change sounds. Um, a lot of them that we listen to, you know, are, are bigger and they're artistically sound. So, I mean, they can take chances. A band like Pearl Jam or, or Tool or okay. Nine Inch Nails, you know, they, they can go off and do whatever they want. And there's they're going to be people who still want to hear 10 from the grunge era. But they're also, you know, true fans will go with them and listen and go, well, I don't like it. But, you know, so we, we talk about this a lot. We talk about it off the air, too. Like, this is new. Yeah. We don't like it, but we love the person. So we love it. So uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun debate. It's a fun back and forth. Some of these bands, you know, like Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails, like they they're you you're there for the ride. I feel like if you're a real fan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I have my favorite Radiohead albums and I have my not-so-favorite Radiohead albums, but I still like it all, right? Like, I just love some more than others. And I've never been a type of fan of another band where I'm like, I don't like you anymore, you know? And I feel like there's a lot of fair-weather music listeners out there, and I think they're just more for what's on, what's popular and less about the journey of being an artist. And I, I'm, we're more interested in appealing to a fan base that is here for the ride because, you know, we don't plan to go anywhere either, so... 
you know, yeah, <laughs> come join us. <laughs> For sure. Hey, you know, you mentioned earlier about some of your filmmaker background, filmmaking, and I was going. One thing I wanted to touch base on was the music videos because I feel like there's music videos out there, and of course we had MTV years ago, and, and I kind of feel like in some aspects, it's been a lost art. You know, there, there's not as much creativity in some fashions. And I, I say that loosely in that some of the music videos that get thrown my way, it's uh, kind of gratuitous. It's, it may be somebody behind their gear doing their thing, or it may be, you know, somebody kind of simply lip syncing and, and there's not much story or context behind it. But I feel like your videos have definitely embraced some of the elements of the music videos of the past where there's story, there's context and there's direction that flows. And not only do you like the song, but then when you watch the video, it makes you like the song that much more. So, you know, can you kind of tell us about, you know, what your, your process is? Are you hundred percent involved in that music video process or do you collaborate and then uh, exchange ideas? I mean, you know, how, how are you see fit to elaborate that? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, my favorite thing is making music videos. I love I love filmmaking. I love music. So music video just marries the two things I love. Um, I'm, I'm 100% involved in every video. I come up with the concepts. I do collaborate with, with the team um, and the team changes, but it's always my friends because I feel like whenever we hired people in the past or we worked with somebody that was like, I want to make a music video for you for free, like it always comes back and we're like, yeah, that's not quite us. And I don't know how to tell this person that because we never want to like be that kind of a person. <laughs> but I can't put my I can't put my face out like this. So when we started this band, we were like, we're doing our own videos. I don't care. And we're going to, you know, if it sucks, it's because of us. If it's great, it's because of us. Versus like giving all that control to somebody that doesn't know us or our journey. Um, but yeah, I love music videos that I mean, I love all kinds. And that's kind of one of the things that made me want to do music is like watching like uh, beautiful people, Marilyn Manson, where I'm like, oh, God, I want to watch. I want to be in this video. Like, I love it so much. But then when you watch like um, what's that one? Uh, not fake plastic trees. Oh, my God. No surprises. When like Tom York is like filling up with freaking water where that's the whole video. But it's so compelling that you're in it. You're just like you're so not all of our music videos need to have a storyline for me. And sometimes people that I work with are more on the like pure film, you know, making side and not a musician. They're more about like, like back to life. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that video, but that's like a mini film with an homage to the seventh seal and like, like all this stuff, um, which was the most exhausting shoot we've ever done. But, but uh, it, it came out great, but yeah, it was a, a lot of it was a lot of work, but um, so we'll do stuff like that. But then we'll also do um, more abstract stuff and David Lynch kind of stuff where I, it's like, I don't want to hand it to you on a silver platter of like what the story is. It's all art is meant to be, you know, for interpretation. And, you know, there's always a commentary underneath every single one of our videos, like legend. It's always about like, and I always like to like nod to something, you know, like, clockwork orange like there's yeah. always a nod to something mm -hmm. that i respect um but then there's there's this layer of what this means to me about society so like the nylon mass people is more like the identities of what we really are because i'm constantly con obsessed with our society are the effect it has and that's a big part of what i write in our music today where our mm -hmm. first album was mostly about my personal journey but now besides i hate myself because that's another one but it's also about society, like constantly having to put on this face that everything is fine. 
I'm great at all times. I have a million fans on Facebook, but none of them know me or like me. You know, it's like this constant thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really try to convey that in our music videos. Um, and I like to be weird and he's got to pull me back sometimes or he's like, like even to this day, he's like, I don't even get the nylon face. <laughs> yeah, we have, a, we have a good relationship uh, working on stuff. Uh, it gets better all the time too. So now I can kind of say like, I, I don't get it, but if that's what you want to do, <laughs> let's do it. You know, Just wait till you see what we have for I hate myself. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> One thing I, I love, I when I started listening to you, I immediately went to videos because I'm a film guy too, and awesome. I I like all the like um, intentional, making sure that the frames look pretty and the color grading and symmetry yeah. and you know all all kinds of treatments to it. So um, where it looks beautiful, you know, it's a very aesthetically ple- or it might not be pleasing, it might be jarring for what it needs exactly. to be. You know, um, like the upside down walking down the hall and getting pulled into a room uh, yeah. on one of those. Yeah, and um, and then the split screen with like the white and all white makeup and you know like almost hat type thing floating but there's everything you could freeze frame it and it looks like a piece of art so oh that's uh, really great yeah because yeah, you know cool. honestly everything we do is like our low budget diy like i always make this joke whenever i work with like a new person i'm always like okay so what can we do with a rubber band and a paper clip like this is what <laughs> we got to work with what yeah. do, what can we make from this so well, we're working with uh, next weekend with a director and a cinematographer that's li- like probably the best like cinematographer ever. So that's probably gonna be the most gorgeous video for our next song, <laughs> which I can't take much credit for that because I'm, I'm that's the only person I'm like, here you go, just do what you do and make it look <laughs> beautiful and dark in all the beautiful ways. Well, if a, if a rubber band and a paper clip worked for MacGyver, it certainly exactly. Did. <laughs> exactly. That's what. Yeah. That's my reference. And it's pretty typical for Kat uh, when we're working on a new song for her to say, "I can see the video already." Yeah. And so there's mm-hmm. this one that we laugh about where, like, this was years ago. We were like, I played a riff, and she was like, "Oh my god, I can see the video. I'm falling off of a cliff backwards, and straight then and then straight into hell. And then when I <laughs> when I land." There's going to be like like uh, a jazz dance. There's going to yeah. <laughs> uh, well, of course there is. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that's the easy view. Yeah, yeah. That, I can't that wait video to... never came out or never got made. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to listen to this again because when you said I fall backwards into hell, she had this little giggle. It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she knew it was coming. For every every song right off the bat, which is a big part of how she she works yeah. and she thinks about the music, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like. It's never just a, an audio experience for me. Like I have to see it at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious because you guys are taking like almost the exact opposite approach of most bands. So a lot of bands, you'll, you'll work for two to four years and they'll produce an entire record and, and put it all out and then they'll go tour it. But since 17, when you did the EP, you've done, I think a song in 18, two and 19, one and 20, and you've done a video for each. Are you yeah. planning to put anything together into an album or do you just look and see, hey, maybe the future is just going to be continuing this way where we do a single and a really creative piece of, of art in the music video? Um, how do you see that that moving ahead? I, I would think it would be in some ways more difficult to promote yourself maybe if you're not producing an entire album. But how do you guys feel about that? I think, well, it always changes. We've been teasing this holy unholy album for like a year and a half. Um COVID changed it for us, for sure. We were going, we may still do this, um, but I think for indie artists too, it's a different approach where like, 
you have a label, they really need a full album or or two EPs or whatever, however they do it. Um, but when you are like us and we we feel like we see this long road ahead of us of like all this music we have left to write in us that we like want to share, we don't want to one just boom, here's a full album and then now that's it. You know, so we learned with a lot a lot of other indie artists too that it's better to release singles by singles. And back in the day, in our old band too, when we work with like a publicist, they would always encourage that we'd have a full body of work, especially a tour on. Um, and we did that, but we learned that we keep gaining more fans and more engagement every time we release a single. So it's better to be constantly putting things out than to just put out one big body of work and then go away for a year and then do it again. And you know, like that's, I think, every artist has a different approach. So maybe it'll change if we change our business side of things. But as it is right now, we're only really interested in just releasing one at a time. And it also gives us creative freedom to make different types because we're both very multifaceted in music. Um, also why the gaps in music is besides being in Holy Wars, him and I are both um, writers, songwriters, singers um, for, publishing companies and we write a lot of TV and film music. So that kind of takes us away from Holy Wars sometimes or he'll be on he'll be on a tour opening for a perfect circle for like six weeks and then we're like, okay, well, gotta come back, you know, write an album. So it works out better for our schedule to do it this way and also just for the project. Cool. Yeah, and um, and during that period too, like in between Holy Wars releases, we, we wrote the first Cat Leone album. Yeah. Um, which was completely different. Um, and so that took up uh, a big portion of that time. Uh, but also, like, uh, since then, we've decided that um, it's best to, to start putting out a lot more music, um, probably uh, singles. Um, I don't know that, like, we'll, we'll do another EP anytime soon. I doubt we'll do a full length anytime soon, even though currently we have a lot of music that we're really excited to, to release. Um, that is is even more different than what we've already done, and um, it'll probably come out as like a like a regular drip as opposed to like um, a couple this year and a couple next year. Um, right. So very cool. That actually kind of inspires me because that's one thing I struggle with is I've got a body of work that's just culminating and it keeps building and building. And then of course I've got an eight year old and family life and a day grind. And so I'll put mm -hmm. something away and then I forget to come back to it. And then, you know, the moment's gone kind of thing. So I always kind of wait, well, I'm going to put all these works together and then release it, but maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should sprinkle some things out there here and there and see what, you know, what people think and, you know, just do my own thing and enjoy it because, you know, it's not doing me any good just sitting on my laptop half finished. Right. So that's, absolutely. That's yeah, cool. I totally relate. That's that is super cool. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you as well, um, Nicholas, and well, both of you, too. So you're both multifaceted in terms of when it comes to the writing. Do you bring in a lot of personnel to track the parts or are you covering that pretty much uh, 100 percent between the two of you when it comes to like recording drums or parts for the, for the songs? Um, yeah, we have a few drummers that we've worked with. Uh, mostly we've worked with a drummer named Greg Garman, who also does uh, almost all the live shows with us, and he's incredible, and he was just out on the road with Hollywood Undead, and he's one of our favorite people. He's really incredible, and mm -hmm. um, we also had uh, Jeff Friedel, who's a friend of ours. He, he's from uh, A Perfect Circle, and Devo, and 
Pussifer and mm-hmm. um, and he played on a few of our songs. Welcome to my alley played on that. Legend um, too. Legend. He played on Legend. Yeah. Um, uh, but then everything else, um, I'll I'll record all the other music. Um, the drums will always outsource for that, and um, and then Cat will do all the vocals. And um, now we try and do as much of it on our own as we can. Uh, and um, yeah, it's just easier that way. Yeah, yeah it's mostly mm-hmm. us. We do work with a guy named George Doom who yep. mixes everything, pretty much everything we've ever written before Holy Wars and now. He's like our only mixer. Like he's yeah. just like practically like our uncle at this point. <laughs> yeah, we we love George. <laughs> um, and, and then we work with uh, at Sphere Studios. It's a really cool studio here in LA and Burbank actually. And this guy uh, that we work with named Matt Cerritos. He's um, he does the engineer on a couple songs. So we do bring in out outsides, but this guy mainly does most of it because it's just faster and easier that way. Yeah, and it changes from sure. Time song too like we recorded some songs that we're really excited about uh in our in our old apartment during uh the beginning of uh quarantine quarantine, you're right so um it it, we went from like like one of the best studios in in la with with our our friend matt cerritos to our kitchen uh and we like them both very cool it just always fascinates me too because of course you get a lot of different hands on the project that certainly can change the shape and direction of some things so it's it's cool to see that you know some of the mind trust may be a little more exclusive but it yields such a, a huge result yeah actually we did work we did two songs with uh with our friend hergen uh, oh who, hunter who, hello who plays uh in afi yeah and uh, and hunter is, like, yeah but, he's become one of our favorite people <laughs> he's he's so funny i don't know if anybody would know how funny and like he's obviously incredibly talented but like what a fantastic person he's a big part of born dark uh he wrote the bass riff for born dark actually yeah it was really cool he was he was showing me like a bass part and i was playing it that was like such a cool moment for me you know yeah Yeah. awesome that's that's really cool um going back real quick to you said you guys do stuff for television and you know then you have Mm -hmm. this cat leon and then you have holy wars like um, I'm a big Nine Inch Nails fan. Um, that's probably a shock to the guys here, but um, I used to, I, I know what? I used to get so pissed off because I remember Trent Reznor and he'd say like, "Well, that's we wrote some music, but it's not Nine Inch Nails music," and like so he wouldn't release it because it didn't fit in that box that he had made for Nine Inch Nails at the time. Uh, obviously, it worked out for him, but um, uh, <laughs> so. But do yeah. you guys, when you're writing music or you have ideas come up, do you have like any set parameters that you're like, okay, this we'll shelf this and we we'll use this for television or this has to be holy wars or is there anything um yeah we've been there before it's funny you're in, you're in, i love nine inch nails but this guy right here has oh, been yeah. playing, playing trent reznor podcast interviews <laughs> yeah every day all day okay trent, it's like uh, i live with trent reznor right it's, now yeah it's all the time like yeah well we were um, getting along yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think now we're we're better about like whenever we want to write a Holy Wars song, we we're in that space and we're in that energy. And then when we are writing something that because even when we write for TV and film, it's always different. Like I, we just wrote for a Fox Camp uh, these last two days on Thursday and Friday, and we were writing a pop song. And then we wrote, which is funny because it's like I, I don't really even know how to write pop, but I'm gonna try. Um, and then we wrote like uh, like a like a scrappy rappy song and then we'll write something really emotional and trailer like like the cat leone stuff 
And in the very beginning, I was very teased, like Legend is a great example. Legend was actually a song that we wrote for Fox Network that they ended up not taking. So whenever they don't take it, we're able to do whatever that, what we want with it. And we got such a huge reaction from that song. And it was very cinematic sounding even more than what it, you know, it's more rock cinematic now where, where it came from was very string arrangement and just nothing what it sounds like mm-hmm. now. And I was very tempted. I was like, this is getting a great reaction. And I love singing the song. Like, why don't we just make this a Holy War song? And back then he was, he's more into it now, but back then he was less into that. Cause he was like, but it's not a Holy War song. Like we didn't write it for Holy War. So he did, he couldn't, place it there when it wasn't meant for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we were better about like when it's Holy Wars, that's what we're writing. We know the vibe because it's not everything belongs everywhere, you know, and, and we're really fortunate right. to have different avenues for all the types of music we like to play and write. And it doesn't always have to be wedged into one project where now your audience is completely confused because you don't even know who you are when we're just like, we just like making music. I mean, it doesn't have, you know, yeah. it can be different kinds. Um, with that being said, we do have a cover coming out that I forced him to make it to Tainted Love, and he was all about it because it's really cool. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. will have like a cinematic cover of Tainted Love coming out. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Wow. All right. Yeah. I'm excited for you guys to hear that one. That one. Yeah, up. for sure. <laughs> yeah, let us know. We'll be there. Yeah, I'll, I'll peep it to you guys after this. I'll give you a little <laughs> private link. Oh man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Just us. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got yeah, all these different things going on, but how did the collaboration come up with uh, Michael Cervoa with Beauty and Chaos? That's yet another project for you. Yes, I've and I left off two other projects that that <laughs> that is not that I haven't mentioned yet. Um, yes, Michael is like the greatest person we've ever met. It's, it's he's li- another one like our yeah. uncle that we. we- just- Love, love him Michael. so much. We admire him and, and uh, yeah. we respect him so much. He's the best. Yeah. I think he saw it. So that I thought, I didn't, I forgot he said this until I heard him on an interview. Maybe it was your interview. I'm not sure. But he's, he did say it was at Papa Roach. When we opened for Papa Roach, he saw us play at the Roxy. And I guess that was his first time seeing us. And then he kind of went down the rabbit hole and then saw a video of us doing a mashup cover of Closer and Whole Lot of Love that we did for like this in-studio thing. Um, and then he reached out to us on Facebook, which is funny because I usually never like check Facebook that often, but that day it was like a perfect storm where he reached out on Facebook and he asked me to collaborate with him. And I, and I was like, wait, is this the president of Schechter or am I reading this right? I'm like, what? Yeah, Michael is very unassuming and like very yeah. casual about like what, like a, a big deal. He yeah, is. he's super humble. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I even said to Nick, I was like, I think I'm talking to the president of Schechter. I'm not sure though. Like it's hard <laughs> to figure this out. Um, but we, we started talking and then he sent us this song for Stranger, which had him and Michael Rose on row. And it was this beautiful, long body of work. And I remember he- hearing it, I'd be like, okay, it definitely sets me up in a vibe and I want it to be something special. I don't want it to just like, you know, like, like if it was like a sync song or something, like I don't want to just like put a couple keywords. Like I really want this to be, cause I, I at that point I got to know Michael pretty well. And I wanted to really put myself in this and give and and give the song and give his project the best parts of me as I could. 
Um, but it wasn't easy at first because I, I literally was like, I don't know what to write. It's, it's, it was, it was slow and it was long. And at that time when he sent me the song, I was in like a quick turn and burn kind of process with songwriting. Um, so it took me a little while to figure out what I wanted to say, all of it. And I even asked Nick to help me with like some of the melodies. Cause I, I, it was just a different type of song I was used to writing. Um, and you, you hadn't really written anything like that since mother father, which at that point had been like, like yeah, a few like years, two years yeah. or a year. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was 2019. So it was like two years. And so we purposely been writing more kind of like up tempo kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I just started to see these like lyrics and I started to feel these things again that I like during the mother father era. And I wrote him down and I had the melody and everything. And I even asked him, I was like, Hey, I kind of have this idea of what I want to say with your song, but it's really dark. It's really personal. I mean, it, I remember thinking everything dies. Like when I wrote that, I almost was like, oh, should I say that? But I wanted to say it because if you think about it, every single thing dies. And it's like, and, and there's some type of freedom in that. Cause you know, it's almost like when you realize like you're dying since birth and everything you love is dying since birth, the world is dying. Like everything is dying and not to sound so morbid. There is hope in that at the same time where you're just like, I can, I can, I can live this life, you know, or I can live this day the way I want to live it, whatever. So I really got into that place, what it felt like when I was grieving and also how it felt like during that time when I wrote stranger and I was completely numb. Like if somebody talked to me about my parents, I was so used to just like casually saying they died. Like it was just like, oh, well that's life anyways, moving on. And even to the point where I felt like, I don't even know me anymore. Like I've lost, I lost the pain of them because I held on to the pain in some sense of holding on to them. Cause I felt like if I still grieved over them, if I still felt mad at the world that they were gone or any of it, like any emotion, I, I felt like they were still with me. And at that stage that I was in when I wrote Stranger, I was so far past that, that I didn't feel anything. Like I could look at my parents' photo at that time and I didn't feel anything. Um, and I wrote Stranger because of that. So sorry, it was a long version of, yeah. your, of an answer no, to you, awesome. but that's, no, that's, that's how the song came out. And he kind of was like very supportive. He's like, I want you to say anything you want to say. Like he never made me feel like I couldn't really get personal with it. So he's yeah. been great. You know, it's funny. We we crossed with paths with him in a happenstance circumstance as well. So uh, Stephen Siebel that was on uh, this album as well, he turned me on to Beauty and Chaos, period. I saw him post and talk about it on the first record. And so we reviewed it. And then next thing you know, we're getting a message on Facebook from this guy. Hey, you guys reviewed my album and it felt like you really hit it on the mark. And I really appreciate what you had to say. Aww. And we became friends of it with him, you know, and he's, he's just a real stand up guy, like you said. And so yeah. uh, the kindness is abound and you, he definitely wears his heart on his sleeve and he supports everybody that's in, in the industry. It's been kindness and encouragement all the way around. Yeah. He and, gives you know, me this, hope this, for like yeah. other people in the industry, like somebody that could be like, running a company that's that successful, having his own band. He's like friends with Ty, uh, or with uh, Paul and Tyler Bates. And he's like got cool friends and he's just like the yeah. nicest guy ever. Great so it's band. like, yeah. Cool. You mentioned that he saw you guys uh, opening for Papa Roach. And so yeah. I had a question because I'm always interested in uh, performing live. I, I have no idea what that feels. and I never will feel <laughs> know what that feels like. But um, do you have yeah. a favorite gig or a uh, place that you have played? Hmm. 
I'm sure I do. Well, Echoplex, that was our first one. That that was pretty amazing. Because, again, that was at that first feeling where I was like, I feel alive again. Mm-hmm. Um, Where's the Exo- Echoplex? Uh, that's in Echo Park, uh, California. It's actually, um, there's the Echo, which is above it, and then the Echoplex, which is below. And, yeah, it's in Los Angeles. Echo Park, I think it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool spot here in L.A., but they've had some, like, really uh, insane shows there. I think the Rolling Stones played there i know nine inch nails they did a, a show there before so like uh, occasionally there'll be something like really incredible like yeah. that there. Yeah. i think when we opened for rain wolf i don't know if you guys know this artist rain wolf but that's probably one of my favorite shows um he's incredible yeah. blues artist what's yours i don't know um no i mean those those are i agree with those i mean those the Papa Roach shows those were those were awesome because for yeah. us that was the first time we played to to that kind of audience you know yeah. that that uh, we were certainly outnumbered uh, by by Papa Roach fans that were there to see Papa Roach and yeah, it was and, sold out before we were even added to the bill. Yeah, so it was kind of like, yeah, all right, well, it, it was a real test cool. of like, like, what do you do in front of an audience that like you you look out there and you don't recognize one one person, yeah, and they're there for one reason. Um, First, yeah. we played for we opened two nights. I'll, I'll give you a little behind the scenes. Two nights. First night was amazing. The audience loved us. I jumped in the crowd. It was amazing. Second night, ooh, ooh child. That first audience, that first row audience hated me. Hated me. Um, was kind, you know, but you could just see it on their face. Um, it, it, they just did not like a female fronting a rock band, playing a guitar. And I remember in that moment, I was like, okay, I can, literally, I was thinking this on stage. I can let these two guys in the front row like this, just completely just mad. One of them wouldn't even want to look at me. He wouldn't even look up. He just was looking (laughs) down the whole time as a way of telling me, like, I will not give you my attention. I'm here for Papa Roach. I don't like you. I don't want to look at you. And I got right in his face. And there's this photo that was captured on it that is, like, probably my favorite photo of us playing live ever where I got right into his face and singing to him. And he looked so awkward. He was like, <laughs> best, 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 best. And even when we finished our set and I, we totally killed it, but even then they were just kind of like, you know, like, yeah. so we didn't get any booze, whatever. But we, we experienced two sides of the Papa Roach fan club. We, the, the really loving, like, yeah, we're here for Papa Roach and you're cool too, yay. And we got so many fans that night. And then the next night where it was like, we're here for Papa Roach, fuck you, get off stage. <laughs> so oh, man. Yeah. 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 But we're used to it. I mean, being a female in, a, in like a more rock type band, you know, it's it's more of an up, upstream for us, you know. And we knew that going into it and, you know, and I'm sure there's going to be more shows just like that. Yeah, I remember like we finished that show and I thought like, wow, I, I think we did we did really good. I think this was a great show. I think like we, we really killed it. And then Papa Roach goes on and like Jacoby <laughs> yeah. is like like a 18 year old, like yeah. a, a more, more energy than everybody. The lights, like the completely different sound system and everything. We're like, oh, that's how that's how it's done. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> we, yeah. Like, like that is incredible. He somersaulted right in the audience. Oh, like man. song one. They're unreal. <laughs> unreal. Oh, goodness. Wow. Oh, wow. Man. Yeah. 
remember seeing uh, Tommy Victor from Prong. You know, I hadn't seen them in ages. They were big in the '90s when I was, you know, learning to play and all that good stuff. And so, you know, he's he's been at it for a long time. And when he came out on stage, he was doing like the Eddie Van Halen splits and all that. And he didn't relent one second. I mean, it was 120 percent yeah. the whole night. And so, you know, it, it's something to say that music definitely keeps you young. And, keeps you vibrant for sure so. oh sure it does absolutely absolutely yeah. does i mean that's the thing that's we've been the most grateful for during quarantine is we just keep writing music you know otherwise if we weren't <laughs> i don't know what i'd be i'd be just like the comatose <laughs> oh yeah i've got family that's going stir crazy like not me i've got my drum machine here i've got a couple guitars and you know yeah. i'll call you later exactly <laughs> Uh, I was uh, I went back, you know, we found out you were going to be on the show. So I started digging into some of your old interviews and things. And I you had mentioned Fiona Apple and we reviewed Fetch the Bolt Cutters uh, a couple months ago, right after it came out. And we all but one of us loved the record and uh, the one who didn't is not here tonight. So we can talk about him. But um, <laughs> you had mentioned that you loved the, her poetry in her music. What is it about her and that music and her writing that inspires you? I mean, it's just rawness. It's honesty. I mean, I've always been about that. And um, and when, you know, when she was at her height, I was, you know, I was just discovering music at that time. And uh, But I really got into her during Extraordinary Machine, mm -hmm. which really wasn't her most popular album, which is, I don't know, it was a quirkier side of her that I was just, yeah. I kind of liked the darkness of the lyrics with the quirky instrumentation she, she did and even the way she was singing yeah. in some of the songs. Um, but yeah, I mean, even Shadow Boxer, like that, I just, I love her. I mean, all the female, well, most artists, I'm not even just females, but um, everything I tend to like about my favorite lyricists are the honesty, like Tom York and Shirley Manson and Fiona Apple. I even like Regina Spector. There was like a period of my life where I was like, all about Regina Spector. Mm -hmm. And that's like the quirkiest, love her. Yes. the quirkiest mm -hmm. person yeah. there is. Yeah. Um, but she's got this one song called Après, Après Moi, mm -hmm. um, and it's like it's a, like a battle song for her. So I've always been attracted to raw, honest lyricists, but also more angry, more or more sorrow, or more just like it is what the fuck it is. I hate myself. Like it's just like mm -hmm. that's it. Um, versus like the love songs or the party songs, or mm -hmm. you know, I'm more um, into like a Trent Reznor or you know where it's just. I've just been more attracted to that type of writer. So Fiona Apple is that for me where, I mean, the way she is, which probably hurt her career in many ways, but she kind of was like, this award is bullshit, everything, you know? But I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> so, oh, that's yeah, awesome. she's awesome. Was that what, uh, in terms of, you know, speaking of artists of that caliber, but I noticed your cover of Silent All These Years by Tori Amos. Um, oh, my God, yeah. It, well, can you kind of, kind of dig into the, the choice behind covering that? It's funny because our publisher asked us to cover that one. And at first I was like, ooh, you sure? Because I just feel like Tori Amos is such a her own thing that, you know, you just don't. Just don't do it. Just let Tori Amos be Tori Amos. Don't even try. It's like covering Bjork. Like, I just won't do it, you know? Um, because they're just, they are them. And that music exists for that person, you know, like to sing that. Um, and usually when we do covers for either ourselves or like a publisher, we, we usually cover men because I feel like it's a lot easier to do that. Um, also for the listener, it's they're less... Like, oh, but if you only sang this like Adele did, you know, they it's a different thing. Um, 
but I think because when we did silent all these years, we did it with such a different way. Like we really were like, let's let's really lean into the theatrical like side of this and really make it dramatic. And then therefore I learned to really love it, love the idea of it. And we just went full into it. And it's one of my favorite covers that we've done. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting take because it was actually playing in the background and I saw the title and I was working. And then once I started to hear it pick up, I was like, I recognize this. Yeah. In a different light, you know, and I got, I actually stopped what I was doing and I sat and just listened and I was like, that was a very cool interpretation. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and real quick, I want to say Tori Amos, Fiona Apple, like there was something about the nineties and we're both nineties kids, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I, I wish we were in the nineties today. I don't know. I hate the, I'm, I'm literally my age now where I'm like, I hate today's world. I want to go back to the nineties. Um, <laughs> I'm but, about 50. I want to go back to the 70s. Exactly. You see, like, wherever, like, wherever your thriving time was, right? You want to go back there. But I I feel like music back then, and, and females too, like, what people wrote about was just way, to me, was a, so much more interesting. There's so much more poetry. Um, and nowadays, we too, we have to, like, balance, like, don't get too poetic. You know, like, it's almost like... You can get a little poetry in the verses, but then you have to get like super simple, you know, and and I don't know if it's just the way our music has like time of music has gone to or what. But I miss the way writing was back in the 90s. And I think like up into the early 2000s, it's kind of where that stopped. And now it's like, I don't know if you listen to any current like pop music or it's crazy. Like, I can't believe what some of these people are saying. And I'm just like, what? What did you yeah. just say? You just said, I don't know if I, I can say on this show, if I can swear, but just some you super can. graphic stuff where I'm like, there's not even poetry in that. You're just talking about licking his balls. What? Why did you say <laughs> know, that? Right. Oh, you've been listening to Megan <laughs> the Stallion? No, but I'm sure that's another one <laughs> just like, oh yeah it's raunchy yeah yeah oh, and I, I remember i'm no prude i like i like it but it's like give me something like something poetic something i don't know so like fiona apple yeah. and tori amos like mm-hmm. they had so much poetry in what they were saying and what they were saying was very raw or very dark but mm-hmm. you know you were yeah. you thought about it after the song was done substance yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i remember i remember reading a quote one time that said where we lack creativity we substitute sex and that kind of uh, so true. that kind of encompasses some of the um, mm-hmm. nothing against the genre, but some of the rap videos and some mm-hmm. of the today's pop and kind of so yeah, I'm with you. And a lot of them too. These like girls, I'm like, how old are you? Like 17? Why are you talking about that? I didn't even know what that was until I was like, I don't know, 20 something. <laughs> 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 you know, maybe yep. I'm getting older, so maybe I'm thinking like like an adult. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Just don't uh, start writing about AARP. You're good. <laughs> hey, Nick, let's give you a chance yeah. here. What inspires you or who inspires you with your uh, musicianship? Um, well, I love uh, I love Trent Reznor. Like, like we said, I love uh, Failure. They're mm-hmm. one of my favorite bands. And, oh, man. Yeah. And when we first started uh, Holy Wars, uh, we said we had a conversation and we said, why don't we just write? Uh, why don't we just think about the stuff that inspired us when we first got into music and let's write, let's write music that sounds like that. So then we started talking about like, um, Fiona Apple and we started talking about like, uh, some more kind of like really heavy music that I was really inspired by when I was younger. Um, 
And uh, some of that was, yeah, like Nine Inch Nails and um, Failure I got into much later on. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm originally uh, a guitar player uh, only. And so um, I got initially, I was all about metal and shredding and mm-hmm. stuff. And then, um, so now we've ended up here. That, that answers the question. <laughs> but he's back to shredding. He, uh, Michael, he's now a Schecter artist and Michael gave him like, um, what, like eight string, like seven string yeah. guitar. Yeah. Michael, Michael has been extremely supportive and I, and I had a tour that came up and I needed, um, some seven string and eight string instruments. Uh, and then Michael, uh, Michael helped me out. Uh, and pointing me in the right direction it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What a guy. Super cool. Yeah. You know what's awesome about Michael is on Facebook, he'll he'll post pictures of his everyday life and his kids. And he had this picture, I think it was in a gymnasium, maybe on senior night of his daughter's volleyball. And he's there dressed like his rock star self, like hugging his daughter in her volleyball outfit or <laughs> yeah. uniform. You know, it was like this this guy's <laughs> legit. He's so cool. <laughs> yeah. He's the real deal. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like that twenty four seven. Like that's it's not it's not like a thing he puts on. Like that's mm-hmm. who he is. You know? Yep, for sure. And you know, mm-hmm. Nicholas, much like you were saying about you know doing the metal thing, I cut my teeth on a lot of shredding and thrash back in the day. It's funny, like a band like Failure has a huge impact on me too. It made me take a step back and enjoy just the huge sound of a Les Paul and a stacked power chord, and you know, just really let mm-hmm. the song drive the the message and stuff. And it's funny too that you know, of, of all the players that have stuck with me through the years, I'll subconsciously find myself channeling Ken Andrews on accident. And I have to kind of dial it back at times, you know what I mean? So, um, uh, Oh I, yeah. yeah. That happens to us. We, we don't dial it back though. We just, yeah. On the metal side and I, and I'm obviously on the other side, but we, we both really agree with failure. Like I just love that heavy bass tone. So I, I prefer in our music that we have that, kind of distorted low bass in most of our songs if we can since we're talking about these other artists and things we we're doing the obligatory what are you guys listening to right now um oh you know what i can't believe i i space i'm like who's that princess band I nokia. no well there is this artist princess nokia that she's got one song that is totally like uh, the rest of it's all like lick the balls kind of stuff, but this is one song that I really <laughs> love. Um, it's called Sugar Honey Iced Tea. Like that's just if I want to like feel like a badass. But no, I'm really into um. Oh my god, this is the band that you introduced me to. Oh, Idols. Idols. Yeah. Have you guys heard of Idols? Huh? No. Oh my god, do yourself a favor. I D L E S. Yeah, there's a really oh. incredible tiny desk that they did. Uh, it's it's incredible. Talk yeah, about okay. the real deal. Yeah. You need to review them. Oh my God. I'm super into idols and even Oliver tree. I don't know if you discovered him. He's kind of like super gimmicky, but he's like more, he's got like a nineties, a nineties vibe in his music. So he's like the modern version of the nineties kid. He even dresses like it with like a bowl cut and everything. Um, I like that. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I love that. And then, um, I've been listening to more just kind of like a soundtracks lately because we're, we're always making music and and so now we're kind of in agreement that when we're not making music we kind of just listen to kind of quiet lo-fi music or mm-hmm. or or not very much at all you know yeah because mm-hmm. we always think about it like we can't even go to a live show when we used to go to live shows and not just like 
watch and like study it, like it's we're constantly in it all the time that even if we listen to a song we can't just listen to it like a fan anymore like we 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 dissect it all the time and maybe you guys do too because you're reviewing it so you you well maybe your first listen when you hear a song maybe you are just like and then maybe it takes you guys a moment to listen again to really review it but mm-hmm. i feel like i'm past that point on first listen of just enjoying and i'm like right into dissecting what I like about it, what I don't like about it, what I can learn from it. And so it's taken some of our enjoyment of listening to music as fans. So when we aren't intended, like intentively trying to do that, he'll be like, let's just put on some like, like Billie Holiday we had on the yeah. other day. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that does happen sometimes. But I found that when we are going to review an album, the first time I listen through, I don't really pay attention to the lyrics much. And just try to get the feel for it. And do I enjoy it? Am I catching the groove? Am I getting into it? And then I'll go back later and try to dig into the meaning and the lyrics and put it all together. But it, right. that first time through, it's just, do I like this? Does it sound good? Um, yeah. But I could see where it would be hard to turn it off when you're constantly thinking about music. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in many different genres. So even like a genre that we wouldn't do for Holy Wars if we're asked to do it for like a publisher. Now I'm even having to listen to pop music and I'm like, all right, I don't really like this song, but I have to figure out what it is that works so I can write something like this. <laughs> have you guys thought about a tiny desk or, or do you think you'd ever oh, have you submitted yeah. one? I haven't. You know what? We were going to in quarantine because that was a submission and I was like, oh, we should submit. But we, we usually don't do stuff like that. I wish, wish we did more, but like contests and I don't know, maybe if we were like five years younger, we would. I don't know. Like, I feel uh, like our energy is somewhere else now. <laughs> that series is so great. And there's so many really good artists that um, have done, just like you mentioned, that, that are just so memorable. And, and they're like 15 minutes. So they're bite size. And then the whole, you know, the whole staff stands around the office with the really good ones and they pan the crowd and, and they're yeah. all standing there like, oh, so. Definitely check out the idols, Tiny Destiny said. That was how you first discovered them, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah. They're, they're Talk about the real deal. Like they're like, they're punk. I don't know if you guys are into like punk, but they're like a British yeah. punk mm-hmm. music. But yeah. the guy's older too. So he's not like what you, I don't know. Like, I guess I really like that when he's like, he's an older guy and he's singing about like, just like punk stuff that he's like way too aggressive, you know, like just like, yeah, just punk stuff. Just just punk stuff, you know, (laughs) what what about, uh, I was curious. We talked about the nineties for a second there. What, what nineties, let's put it in nineties terms. What nineties CD keeps making its way back into your, into your player. Is there one that just won't stay away? I was really into soundtracks in the nineties. So empire records. I just had this discussion with a friend about empire records, that soundtrack. (laughs) Oh, that's best. The crow. I was really into the. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I I love those. Um, uh, I, I don't, I don't have one that comes to mind because I've seen the dog. Oh, fantastic planet. That's like your favorite. Mm. Yeah. We do actually have uh, her car has a CD player and that's one of the CDs that's in there fantastic playing it mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah and then uh, i don't know usually we still listen to like uh radiohead like the early early radiohead stuff so that's kind of a given but like that stuff still sounds good to us yeah oh yeah we oh yeah covered, we covered um so we usually don't do cover songs for holy wars but we did a cat leone show just once that we were we had like a, a cellist like we really like made it this cinematic thing and we covered Exit Music for a film, which is like my absolute favorite Radiohead song. I, it's, it's our inside joke, but I'm like, 
I die before you in the hospital. Play this song as I like exit my body. Um, so we did a version of that. So yeah, OK Computer is like the, the album that will just never go away for me. Never. I listened to um, Live From Here and I've listened to Nickel Creek, the bluegrass band, and then Chris Teal or Chris Teeley, however you say it. Um, and they covered um, Airbag one night on the show. And it was really funny because they're tuning up and the band, you know, he plays with these awesome musicians and they're tuning up and he goes, what key is this in? And, and somebody goes, A, and he goes, yeah, that sounds like an, that sounds like a Radiohead key. That sounds like something that, you know, like, and then they just, they take off on it. It's so good, but it's, but it's bluegrass and it's, you know, it's got all the Radiohead stuff kind of stripped away. So oh, um, really cool. I, I'm always really interested in hearing people's take on Radiohead and seeing, you know, what they do with it because you know as as busy as it is it's really interesting to pull that stuff away and figure out what an artist hears and where they go with it so oh yeah and i love it when it's not creep <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. people have ruined that one now sadly yeah. karaoke bar bands it's been ruined it's american bad. idol yeah. If, yeah and if you want if you want to know what cds you're not remembering a couple of weeks ago we did a challenge from joe where he gave us an old columbia house ad and we had to pick 10 CDs. So Google like Columbia House ad and you'll see like all the great stuff from the 90s. Oh, Something will really? pop up for you. Do yeah. That. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we've kept you guys over an hour now. So I'm just going to give a final question from anybody, uh, any of us. And then I'm going to give you guys a chance to tell us what's coming up, where we can find you all that kind of good stuff. So boys, okay. do you guys have any final question for him? We did have one little question list is I Hate Myself, the first song of the next album or EP. Yeah, well, it would have been if we did an EP, but yeah. Right. So we have we have a cover coming out that is more like a wild card for us. We actually are teasing the idea of doing an acoustic version of I Hate Myself. And then um, we have a couple more singles coming out that we're really excited about. And when we played the NAMM show opening up for um, Black Label Society, we Ooh. we played this one song called Little Gods that um, we tested it in the audience. And, you know, first, when they when one, the audience doesn't know you, and two, you say this is a brand new song and they really don't know it, if maybe a couple people do know you. Um, and that one actually went off really well. Like, heads were bobbing. So we knew instantly, like, oh, this is, this is great. Because, like, first listen, they got it. Um, so I'm really excited for Little Gods to, coming out, to come out. So, yeah, we have a bunch more, but I hate myself as the first... That is a crazy combo with you and Black Label Society. Are you going to get to do anything with Zach? Is he going to come out and play with you? Are you going to get to sing with him at all during this? (laughs) I know. Well, there was a nice bridge between us. It was us, New Year's Day, and then them, and then them. So I think like New Year's Day was like the bridge of us and then Black Label Society. So I think the the fans had a nice little incline to like the the type of sound that they were going to get. Right. You did. Right. You did get a chance to meet him. Not them, but another day. Oh yeah, I did meet Zach at Schechter actually. Yeah, and he's got a, <laughs> he's got a lot of energy. So. A lot of energy. Yeah. yeah. Very opinionated on what's happening with COVID too. He's like not happy about it. <laughs> Most of us but aren't. Who, so. I was gonna say, but who is right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's great news about the upcoming music. If anybody wants to find all of your stuff now, where do they need to go to find the videos, the promos, and all that good stuff? Um, you could do holywarsmusic.com. We'll take you everywhere. So we, uh, and every every handle we have is Holy Wars Music. It's kind of, we had to put the music. Otherwise, if you just said Holy Wars, you'd get Megadeth for forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Holy Wars Music. Um, and we were about to release a music video for I Hate Myself soon. 
and then yeah, that's that's about it. Do you guys have your own personal handles for Twitter, Instagram? Yeah, uh, yeah. mine's guitarist Nick Perez uh, on Instagram, and I'm I am Cat Leon. And that's actually the handle is at I am Cat Leon, right? I am Cat Leon. Okay, right. just making sure the people at home were like, yeah, I know you told us earlier, so I just exactly. make sure they didn't your handle. Yeah, stop telling me who you are. And that telephone uh, number. One eight hundred six 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 six, right? Okay. Yes. And then definitely call it. One I'll of the other honest. nine or ten numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Toll free number. Keep calling if you don't get through. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. All we'll probably right. have some more some more fun stuff like that on the next release cycle. We'll probably keep this trend going. I hope so. Those Excellent. were funny and super engaging. So I oh, love those. Thank you. I'm glad you watched it. They're fifty seconds, so it's like eh. Once it's on, it's off. I know. And this is a phone. Young <laughs> every time. Tony, where can we find you? At the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. Yes, JPP. You can find me on Instagram under Just Plain Paul. You can also find me hanging out at the Wanderings and Wool Gatherings dot com page and on the Facebook page at Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Excellent, El Ray. Where can we find you? I'll be at Instagram as well. Elrey4, E-L-R-E-Y, and the number four. And the number four. And I am at Foggy's Pal on Twitter and Instagram. And I'd like to thank Kat and Nick for stopping by tonight to fill us in on all things Holy Wars. It was truly a pleasure to talk to you guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank this, you all this for was having awesome. us. Yeah, this thank was you fun. so much. You guys are yeah. great. Thank you so much. And wish you guys nothing but the best. I can't wait to see what you have coming up. Everything so far has been excellent. And it's definitely one of the things we ask when we review something is, you know, what is your score and will you listen again? Mm -hmm. Um, Just based on our talks on Slack and on our text, I think all of us could say we will definitely be listening again. Oh, thank you guys. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, for you and I'll peep you that cover too. Yes, can't wait. Thank you so much. And you can find our music reviews and other pulp culture culture content at wanderingsandwoolgathering.com. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, and at rock985.com. After you listen, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, we'll see you then. Bye now. We've been